You're listening to the Freedom House Podcast. We're a house that will empower you in your walk with Christ to get free, live free, and set others free. This is our Sunday service series. For more information, go to FHUS.org. Enjoy. So we're here in the Praise Him series, and this is Principles of Praise. Amen. Principles of Praise. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians, this has kind of been our, uh, the scripture in which we've kind of discoursed from. And it says this, rejoice only sometimes. No. Rejoice only when things work out for your benefit. No. Rejoice only when you get the upper hand in that business no. transaction. Rejoice only when you get a new car, new house, your stocks are doing well. It says what? Rejoice only sometimes. It says always. So again, this is the principle that I'm trying to make. The Bible is very clear. Rejoicing and being people of praise is not what we do. It's who we are. Okay. Some of you will get that by next week. Now, you have to be careful of a couple of things. Notice it says this, rejoice always. And notice the next part, it says pray without ceasing. Okay? You can pray without ceasing when your life is defined by always rejoicing. The problem why people can't pray without ceasing is because they're not rejoicing always. What they're doing is criticizing always. Circumstances come, circumstances go, come upon them. And what do they do? They criticize. And it doesn't say criticize always and then be a, you know, complain without ceasing. It says rejoice always and pray without ceasing. So again, this is something that defines us as a people. It's also important to understand, don't allow people's even denominational preferences to typeset you. Notice it doesn't say just Pentecostals always or spirit empower people always or charismatics rejoice always. It's Christians. The Apostle Paul is saying rejoice always. This is a command. So don't allow anybody to say, well, it's just that type of church. Okay, that's the way people sit there and want to try to typecast you in according to their personal prejudices. Don't allow that to happen. This is for all Christians. Christians are to be a people who rejoice. They're to be a people who praise. Are you here? So it says rejoice always, pray without ceasings. And if you weren't sure, if you will, about rejoicing always, you're like, well, I don't know about that. This next statement, give thanks in all circumstances, not some circumstances. Not just the circumstances that seem to be favorable towards you. All circumstances means even the bad situations. The bad circumstances, circumstances in which they don't look so good, circumstances in which you're not on the mountaintop, but you're in the valleys, not in the place in which there's excitement, woohoo, everything's going for me, but during the times when you feel depressed and you're in the valleys. This is what defines you as a person. Because oftentimes I find out, it seems like been in the church, we're always praying to, uh, Lord, let's get them out of their circumstances. I don't know if that's necessarily scriptural. How about God brings us through situations and circumstances to see if we idolize them and put them on a mental piece by which they become our idol? Or do we sit there and put them in their proper place by rejoicing no matter what it is? And in so doing, we actually enthrone him on our praises. The problem is, as Christians, we're too soulish. We're not spiritual people. We allow situations to define who we are. We, we begin to allow uh, situations to define who we are and we become victims of our circumstances. This is why we can't allow the victimization of a world system and the spirit of the world to come into the church and define who we are as a people. Some of you get that by next week. So, so I can't believe that. What's going on? And you're always complaining. You are not to be complaining. We're to be rejoicing. Again, regardless, did you know rejoicing can actually change your circumstances? Not complaining about them, but rejoicing. So rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Here's another thing too. Don't allow people uh, to typeset you according to a life stage or age discrimination. I've heard this. Well, that's just a young church. That's the reason. They're, they're young and that's the reason why they're excited. They're full of zeal. No, the Apostle Paul is aged at this time. And he said rejoice always. So there was no age restriction on this. The question is, is why aren't you obeying the Bible? So it's not because they're just excited. 
It's not just because they're all sanguine and that's their personality. It's not because of this, that, or the other thing or because it's this type of spirit-empowered church. It doesn't say just only spirit-empowered people rejoice always. That means if you're Baptist, if you're Catholic, if you're Presbyterian, if you're Methodist, if you're denominational, you're non-denominational, you are to be a people, according to the Apostle Paul, who rejoices always. Not sometimes when it happens to be convenient for you. The problem is, is we're controlled because these become idols. Circumstances and situations become idols within our life, and we don't know how to be spiritual and put things in their proper place. Are you here? I was getting a better response during first service, so I must be hitting some hard ground. Come on, are you here? Mm -hmm. I'm preaching better than your response. So rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is what the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So when you come to me, oh, pastor, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. Well, first of all, can we change your attitude? You sound like you're complaining. I hear the spirit of complainers coming out of you. So why don't you first just rejoice? Well, why? Well, because this changes your perspective on situations. You see, what happens is, is if you don't frame it, those things will frame you. You see, the enemy works through people and he works through situations and circumstances to try and define who you are as a person rather than you defining the situation, the circumstances that these things don't control me. Circumstances don't tell me what to do. I tell circumstances what to do. But what do we do? We get tossed to and fro by every situation and circumstance, and we allow those things to dictate who we are. And we usually allow those things to dictate us out of the kingdom, dictate us out of spiritual responses. But when the command says rejoice, it means during the rough times not just during the good times. Most Christians only rejoice on the mountaintop. They don't know how to rejoice in the valley. They know how to rejoice when they come out of Egypt, but then you start complaining when they get into a wilderness. And then you wonder why you don't get into your promised land. It's because you can't get into your promised land unless you rejoice. You don't get into your promised land by being a complainer. I mean, that's one of the things. They complain to God 10 times, the Bible says. So complaining and murmuring Listen, if, if praise enthrones God, you're complaining enthrones the enemy. Some of you get that by next week. I can't believe it. I'm going through this situation. I'm going through that situation. No, that situation's going through you. You're not going through it. Mm, there's some wisdom coming forth. Some of you need it. I'm doing counseling right now. This is what you would hear behind closed doors in my pastor's office right now. I'm looking to cut it down this week. Come on, are you here? (laughs) You're not going through situations and circumstances. They're going through you and they're defining, no, you do this, you do that, you complain, you do this, you do that. And the enemy's sitting there talking to you through those circumstances instead of you talking to the enemy. So you come into a position of defeat rather than defeating situations and circumstances. Circumstances don't determine who I am. I determine what they are. So you rejoice always. Again, that's not what we do. Oh, we just come in here in the morning and we allow, you know, Emily or we allow Ryan on the keys and woohoo. And isn't this wonderful? No, this is what we do because we're a people of praise. Are you here? So this is the Apostle Paul writing this particular passage of scripture that is right here. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So if you don't know what to do, start rejoicing. You don't know whether you're supposed to continue on in school or you're to get a job or you're to start your own business. Here's the first thing you do, start rejoicing. Why? Because that enthrones him through the praises. You enthrone him, and as you enthrone him, his presence is there, and you can actually start hearing from God rather than hearing the voice that's behind those situations and circumstances. You see, he's to be enthroned, but most Christians enthrone their situations and circumstances. And that's why they don't get victories. They don't know how to bust through situations. They don't know how to bust through circumstances and get into the spirit. The purpose of the enemy in which he works through this is to bring you under situations and to be under circumstances. This is why, and listen, I've been guilty myself. Well, how are you doing? I'm doing good under the circumstances. Well, what are you doing under the circumstances? Why aren't you over them? Why don't you bust through them? 
you got to put everything in its proper uh, uh, place, put it in its proper perspective. So this is the will of Christ Jesus for you. So he's talking to the church. So this is how it is. Are you a people who just do praise or you're a people of praise? So it has to be something that's inside of you. And everyone says, Amen. look at this in the book of Psalms, chapter uh, 22. I alluded to this, but you are holy. Notice this enthroned in the praises of Israel's. Did you know you can enthrone God by your praises? This is why we're a strong people of praise. Wherever you see the demonstrations of God's power and strength, you will always see people that are praising. This is why you have to understand that as a people of praise, it's not just because of our denominational or theological prejudices or because of our age, because we're, I've heard this before. Well, you know, they're just young and single people. Well, they're getting married too, and they're still praising God, even while they're married. I know that's hard to believe. Some of you get that by next week. Like, you gave me this spouse right here. Do I have to praise? No, you get to praise. That's why you're all laughing. You know I'm right. You're like, you are rejoicing as a single person. Everything's wonderful. And then you got married. Oh, Lord, I'm praising you for my spouse. Come on. Rejoice always when you're single and when you're married. And everyone says. You are holy, you're enthroned in the praises of Israel. You see, praise enthrones him, complaining enthrones your circumstances and your situations. Okay? This is precisely what happened in the Old Testament when they went through Israel. They're complaining and complaining and complaining, and they never got into your promised land. You can never get into your promised land by complaining and criticizing. It doesn't work that way. You see, God wants to bring, you see, they were supposed to go through the wilderness into their promised land. They went to it and then started camping out and living there. So do you camp out in your situations and circumstances? Okay, you do that by magnifying those things and not rejoicing. You see, whatever you magnify, you rejoice. So when you magnify situations and circumstances, you've actually just enthroned that. This is why people can't put things in their proper perspective and they don't have spiritual responses. This is why so many Christians are so weak. They don't know how to go through things. Yeah. 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 They got to do all these things, coping mechanisms. Because they don't know how to learn how to rejoice. Why don't you put that away for a season, fast it, maybe for a year, come on, whatever it is, and have spiritual responses instead of having counterfeit spiritual responses. Coping mechanisms. This was his coping. This is Paul's coping mechanism. Rejoice always. Yes. You say, can I rejoice too much? Never. Because rejoicing always. I pray that you would OD on rejoicing. Have an overdose on rejoicing. Don't overdose on this. Don't overdose on this. Don't overdose on this. Overdose on rejoicing. Get addicted to the presence of God. That as he's enthroned, you're creating the presence of God. And listen, when you get addicted to that, you won't want to go back to anything else. Because you're like, this gave me victory. Whoa, God's real. He becomes real in those situations and circumstances. Before you went through that, but it, it went through you. Now, when you come to the place of rejoicing, you go through them rather than the situations and circumstances going through you and destroying you on the way out. So how the enemy wants to come in here. He wants to sit there and be a voice in those situations and circumstances that bring you down. Define who you are as a person. Rather than starting off, and it doesn't matter what I'm going through right now, I'm rejoicing him. I thank you, Father. And no matter what it is, it's always easy to praise God on the mountaintops. I don't have to pump you up. Come on, are you here? It's easy to do that. We can be self-governing on the mountaintops, but can you be self-governing in the valleys? That determines whether you're spiritual. You're just someone who moves with circumstances and situations. Woo, everything's going right. Hallelujah, I love you, Jesus. Okay, then you go into the valley. Oh, God, why are you doing this to me? You must not love me. Jesus isn't your Lord. Your situations and your circumstances are. You're a fair-weathered friend to him. You have no covenant commitment to him. Life or death, it doesn't matter. I give you praise because you're worthy. 
Even if I'm going through all hell, you're still worthy of all the praise. Even though I don't understand it, and according to my friends around me and their stupid philosophies, they think you've left me. But I know you're still there and you're for me. And even though I don't understand it, I don't feel it. They say, ah, he doesn't love you, this, that, and the other thing, and come up with all this other Babylonian philosophies. I still trust you. And I guarantee you, you sit there and you give voice like that, like the fourth counselor of Job, Elihu, and you begin to give him praise. I, I'll tell you what, God will look out and say, ah, this is a, he's cut from a different fabric. Like Caleb and Joshua, they have a different spirit about them. It's a spirit of victory. Why? Because they're rejoicing. Yes, we can do it. You see, rejoice, the spirit of a rejoicer is always optimistic. Even when things look pessimistic around them. That's why it's natural to be like that. It's not just personality. It's not just, oh, because I'm sanguine when I took the personality profile test. Right? It doesn't say rejoice only, only if you're sanguine. That means if you're phlegmatic, guess what? You still rejoice. Whatever your personality profile, you know, what they ascertain from that is irrelevant. You rejoice, period. Because we're a people, indeed, who do rejoice. That's part of the culture of heaven. When we get up into heaven, the angels are singing and we're going to be glorifying God. Again, I'm just trying to prepare you before you get there so you don't have a culture shock. Boy, this is a humdinger. Are you here? But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Now, notice this right here. It says, let the high praises, say high praises. High praises. It says, let the high praises of God be in their mouth. Notice it doesn't just say in your mind or in your heart. Why don't you rejoice? I am rejoicing. It's in my heart and in my mind. Well, let your mouth and let your face know. Your heart may be saying one thing, but your face is saying another. It says you've been, you, you know, you've been sucking on a lemon is what it looks like. Let it come out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if you got joy in the heart, and I'm going to show you in the scripture, show you in the New Testament. Paul didn't just keep it in his heart. He didn't just keep it in his mind. Well, I'm praising in my mind. Well, let your mouth, inform your mouth. Your mouth wants to be part of this conversation. I've run into people like that. Well, I'm just, in, I'm rejoicing in my heart, pastor. Okay, well, let your mouth in on this conversation that you're having, not just your heart. Open up your mouth. Really, what it comes down to is embarrassment and fear. You don't know how to break through out of self-consciousness into God-consciousness, breaking through situations and circumstances because you're so self-consumed with yourself. Because you're selfish. Let the high praises. Notice it says high praises, not low praises or just praises. It says the high praises. What are high praises? High praises are the things that bust through and make things move on your behalf. I like what Smith Wigglesworth said. They asked him a question. How do you stay so young? And he was a man who had a documented. He raised over 20 people. I think it was 23 people from the dead. There was 14 of them that was actually documented. And he said, I do high speed dancing before the Lord. I think it was five or 10 minutes. He's an aged man when this question was asked to him. Can you imagine that in the morning? He does high speed dancing before the Lord. What did he learn? He learned the art of rejoicing. He learned the art of rejoicing in the Lord that gave him victory. And I believe that was one of the keys to his powerful ministry that he had. Well, I don't know about that. Yeah, but you haven't raised the dead. You don't do the works of Jesus. I think let's take a cue from him and maybe listen to what he had to say. He learned how to rejoice always. He's also the one who said he wouldn't pray a half hour, but he never went a half hour without praying. Which is what? Praying without ceasing. So he was rejoicing and he was praying without ceasing and doing what? Giving thanks in all circumstances for this was the will of God. So we see, let the high praises of God be in their mouth. What's another issue with uh, high praises? This is why within the house of God, we want high praises. What is, a part, uh, you know, sometimes we have praises and there are times in which it becomes easy. You know what I'm talking about, especially the praise and worship team will know. There are times in which there's an excitement. For example, maybe it was a, 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 a conference 
right? We have conferences, and all of a sudden there's this type of a buildup, and there's a buzz in the air, or conferences, or what's the other thing? Uh, uh, conferences and, huh? Yeah, guest speakers, seminars, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. You got seminars, special speakers. You might have a lineup of speakers, and all of a sudden, people are there in faith, and they're excited. There's a buzz in the air. Come on, how many have been to things like that? I know I have been, conferences and seminars in which you're looking forward to hearing that. And when the praise and worship, you just, you're enraptured up into it. Come on, that's high praises. But can you hit high praises when there's not a conference? Can you hit high praises when there isn't anything that's going on? Can you hit high praises when it's just your core group that's there and there's low attendance and it's not a special service? Can people up on the stage, that's what I'm always like, to me, that's the strength of a good house is that you hit the high praises just on a normal Sunday when we all get together. Not when there's a special speaker that's there or a conference seminar. Or where we, we built up the faith by which there's this energy. Is there an energy on a Sunday morning? So we want high praises to be in our mouth in every situation. Just not when it happens to be great because, woohoo, this is going on right now. You see, as a pastor, if I always have to sit there and pump you up, and I never teach you how to hit the high praises in your personal devotion, in your personal time, you'll be struggling when you come in here into the house of God. You'll always need the praise and worship to sit there and pump you up. Are you here? I'm preaching better than you're responding. The problem is, is we always come to get inspired and we want praise to come upon us rather than it coming up out of us. Mm-hmm. I think I'll say that again. We're used to being soulish. We just want somebody to pump us up. Woo! Listen to that. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling it now. Why are you only feeling it now? Why don't you feel it when you're not on the mountaintop? Why don't you start feeling it when you're in the valley floor? Why do you only feel it when things are going your way and someone's emotionally provoking you to try and do a spiritual response? How come you have no strength of conviction on the inside of you that says, no matter whether the situation, the circumstances that are going around me are uh, uh, for me, but even while they're going against me, I can still rise out of the strength of God's spirit inside of me and begin to praise him because I'm a person who praises him regardless of situations and circumstances. I think that's the reason why pastors suffer burnout. I need a six year sabbatical. My people, they just don't, it was a dead service. Well, why don't you teach them, spank them? When you counsel them, let's just begin to praise God right now. Huh? I want to counsel. Yeah, I'm doing it right now. You missed it. This is a counseling session right now. I want you to open up your mouth. I'm praising them right now. (laughs) They feel like they're naked. (laughs) You are. You have no clothing of praise upon you right now, I can say. That was Holy Ghost right there. First service didn't even get that one. When you come to get counseling from me, we find out if you're naked or not. I know that sounds weird. (laughs) If you're carnally minded. (laughs) But there is to be a garment of praise that's upon us. That replaces that spirit of heaviness. You see, most people want you to lay hands on them to get rid of heaviness. Pastor, just lay hands on me. No, I'm not going to do that. That just accommodates your weakness. Because I get you free for the moment, but the spirit of heaviness will visit you once you walk out the door. And another situation hits you and you're like, I just feel like I got to call pastor again. Then I end up becoming your God rather than God becoming your God. And I create this spiritually codependent. You're uh, dependent upon my anointing. It's true. You guys are all laughing because you're like, I was there. (laughs) But you got to be provoked. I didn't get this way because I always was a pastor. I don't sit there at the end of the service. Pastor, it was a really rough second service. Can you pray for me? I'll fly up there and down there and pray for me because it was tough. No, it's because I got to I got to sit there and I got to I got to go where no man's gone before. To provoke that weakness that no one else has ever provoked within your life. And sometimes people respond to the positive. Some people don't respond for the positive. 
but you've got to be willing in the course of making disciples begin to challenge those areas that have never been challenged in your life to become spiritual. It's counterintuitive to rejoice always. It's counterintuitive to give thanks, giving in all circumstances. It's counterintuitive. The fleshly man wants to sit there and complain and criticize, not rejoice and pray. And so we got to train people. So when you come before me, don't be surprised. I know I, when I ask you, okay, let's just, I want you to begin to, out of the spirit right now, I want you to begin to sing in the spirit right now. <laughs> Can we do this next week faster? Time ran out. <laughs> now, of course, I've never had that, but you get my point. We got to gauge where you're at because we got to get you victories. This is why when people get delivered and devils come out of that, What's one of the things part of the training is, is, is I don't want you dependent upon me when the enemy comes back because we know the scripture according to what Jesus says, he'll want to come back and he sees things are swept and they're put in order. But what was the problem? It was unoccupied. There was no strong man. Jesus did not remain in that place. And so we got to teach you to create a habitation of praise. Come on, are you here? That's another thing with rejoicing and praising God. Is it's a, it, it doesn't matter when you see people that are set free by the power of God. Praise is the automatic response. Yeah. I remember when I first went as a missionary overseas, you know, and they seen the exuberance that I had during praise and worship, and I danced before the Lord. I didn't care what they thought. I'm there to praise God. I'm not there for them. I'm there for Him. Yeah. And their mindset was, <laughs> "You're an American. That's the reason why you you guys are really free. You guys are really expressionable." You know, that was their mindset as Asians. You know, we're just more like this. This is our per this is our culture. That's American culture. But all of a sudden you get them all free and what ends up happening? They all of a sudden start acting American. <laughs> it was a joke, okay? They were saying that I, the reason why I was expressive and I was free and I was rejoicing was because it was about culture. Rejoicing is not about culture. It's about the culture of heaven, not cultures of the earth. Rejoice always only if you're an American. It's not what it says. Only if you're spirit empowered. No, it's not that. Not only if you're in your 20s. That means if you're my age and older, you should be doing what? Rejoicing always. And all the old fogies in the house said? Amen. You're an old fogey? <laughs> so let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and the punishment on their peoples to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all of his saints. All of you have this honor. And you have to understand, according to the Old Testament, that when you're empowering, uh, you're enthroning, I should say, through the praises that come forth, it's bringing execution. The enemy hates a people of high praise, especially going up into the high places. What is that? The places... Uh, uh, by which the enemy is dispelled. And there has to be a training by which we've learned how to keep in a place and of rejoicing. This is why no matter what culture I've gone to, when you get them all free, they all get free and they all do the same thing. So it shows it's not cultures of the earth. It's proof that it's about being spiritual. You see, culture has to be subservient to spirituality. Culture has to be subservient to the activities of the kingdom. Cultures of the earth should not be preeminent over kingdom culture. We are to be a people who rejoice always, and everyone says. Now, I want us to look at this. This is powerful. In 2 Chronicles, we're going to look at the Old Testament and then the New Testament. It says, he said this, this is with regards to King Jehoshaphat. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerol. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you Judah and Jerusalem. Notice this again. It's saying a second time. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why is that? Listen to me very carefully. Eyes up here. Because whenever you begin to obey God and do what is required, there is always the spirit of fear that's right there to try and checkmate you from moving out in faith. Mm -hmm. Always remember that. Fear will want to try to 
Fear will want to try to operate through situations and circumstances. This is why when Peter walks out on the water, he moves out into the supernatural. What happens is there's circumstances by which the spirit of fear stirs up in order through circumstances for fear to come inside of him. So whenever you begin to step out, know that fear is always going to be there. That's why moving out in faith is not the absence of fear. It's the going through fear. This is why with Joshua, it was told many a times, do not fear. Do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed. Why? Because when you move out and do that which is spiritual, the spirit of fear and the spirit of the world will always be there to try and buffet you from moving out in the miraculous and moving out into the supernatural. So it says this, take up your position, stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord. He'll give you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in notice this worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the uh, uh, Korthites and the Korites, uh, Korites stood up and notice this, praised the Lord, the God of Israel with a very wimpy voice. Notice what came out of them. Because they believed and because they trusted that when the word of the Lord came, notice the spirit of faith has a voice, number one. Number two, it's loud. Okay? You see, you have to understand that it's not about your volume. It's the spirit behind the volume. The spirit of faith is free, so it's expressive and it's loud. It's not that you're trying to be loud. Ah, anybody can be loud. Even you can try and psych yourself up in fear to try and be loud. Usually that comes out in, it comes out in whimpers. But praise has a strength to it. The spirit of faith has a voice to it. So it's not about the natural external volumes. But that being said, when the spirit of faith is behind that voice, it comes out with strength. Are you here? So it's not about the volume, but it's about the spirit behind the volume. So we see here that the spirit of faith, that as they began to declare, they began to declare and give praise with what? A very loud voice. Notice what the consequence of this. Early in the morning, they left for the des desert of Tekel. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God. And you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men, notice this, to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army. Stop right there. Look here. It doesn't seem like a right battle plan to me. You send out the army or excuse me, you send out the praisers and the worshipers before the army? How does that make sense? Well, we're going to find out. I'm glad you asked that question. So we see here that he sends them out ahead of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Watch this. As they began to sing, it doesn't say as the military man began to withdraw their swords from their sheaths. It doesn't say as they began to, with the archers, draw the bows from their sheaths on their back. It doesn't say as the men who had uh, 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 little daggers drawn from their sheaths. It says as they began to sing. What happens? And praise the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon. Notice again, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were what? Defeated. How was this brought about? Number one, it was brought about through the Lord. So notice that the Lord is the one who brought it. They did not have to fight on their own. And then secondly, we see it was praises that as that was happening, that the Lord set ambushes. Now, listen to me very carefully. The problem is, is we don't allow the Lord to set ambushes for us. 
You wonder why you're going through that. It's because you never allowed the Lord to fight. You try to fight rather than through praises. You say, no, I'm not going to praise and I'm going to be the army for myself in this situation. And so there you go. Knock yourself out. Have fun with that one. But don't come to me for counseling afterwards. Because you never learned the art of I'm going to rejoice always, even though I see an advancing large army. No matter what that situation is, you just you come apart. You become a victim of situations and circumstances. And in so doing, you become you become defeated and you become routed. Rather than you routing the enemy. We route the enemy through faith by placing our affections and upon him. And everyone says, now let's look at this in the New Testament. Can we go a little further? Let's go a little bit further. We're going to find out if the Apostle Paul was a hypocrite in what he wrote there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanksgiving in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. It says this in Acts chapter 16, verse 16 on. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting... These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Now notice this. How many of you agree this is a good thing? He just had victory. He went on the mission field and ta-da, God worked his miraculous power. I don't know about you, but I'd be rejoicing at this great miracle that occurred. I'd come and give testimony to everybody. But notice what ends up happening when this man of God, the Apostle Paul, works this miracle. It says, when the owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city <coughs> Excuse me into an uproar by advocating, pardon me, advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Then it says, the crowd joined them. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, now you got the crowd. So now you got bad publicity. And you got CNN, and you got all these people are sitting there texting and they're TikToking against you and all these things. And now you got the public against you for doing a good thing. So the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Okay, now this isn't you're just being bad-mouthed. Now this is actually costing you something called in your flesh. Now you've got rods, you've been beaten, and now they're drawing blood. Now I don't know about you, this isn't a mission trip that I want to enjoy. This isn't one I'm certainly going to pay money for. But it says this, after they had been severely flogged, it doesn't even say flogged, it says severely flogged. They were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell. So notice, watch this, they better not escape. So now they put them into the inner cell, which means even a deeper dungeon by which they're what? It says this and fasten their feet in stocks. In other words, don't let them go. And there's going to be consequences to this. So we see how many would agree that this doesn't look like favorable circumstances. This doesn't look like a favorable situation. Is this a mission trip that you would like to join the Apostle Paul and Silas on? Anybody would go soliciting and sending out newsletters. Hey, we're going on mission right now. I don't know about you, but it does. I would think twice about whether I'm going to go. I certainly would probably get an insurance policy on my life. <laughs> I want to make sure that if my life's going to be taken. I, my wife gets a couple of million at least. Are you here? I mean, my idea of a mission trip is, you know, let's go to Cancun. Let's minister there and then go surfing <laughs> or go lay out on the beach. Notice what ends up happening. It says this in the next one. About midnight. Say midnight. midnight. It says Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. 
It doesn't say about midnight that they were licking their wounds. It doesn't say about midnight Silas was complaining to Paul. Why did you do this to me? You must have not been led by the Spirit. Or, why did you do that? I told you, leave that woman alone. She was giving us free publicity in ministry. Right? But you had to go and cast that devil out of her and get us, you know, be, be, be brought to the courthouse and now move against us. Now we're on CNN and now all these terrible things are going on. I told you not to do that, Paul. But notice, at about midnight, Paul and Silas, while they're in the dungeon, in the darkest place, in stocks, notice they did not fall victim to their situations and circumstances. What would you do if you are placed in that position, if you are Paul or Silas in that case? Would you be complaining? Would you be a victim? Would you complain against God? God, I was your servant. Why are you doing this to me? Oh, God, what did I do wrong? Notice that they did not have this victim's mindset. They did not allow their situations and circumstances to define who they were. So at midnight, when I don't know about you, I would think it was emotionally traumatic (laughs) to be brought before people, to be flogged severely. I think I would have probably passed out and had a 12-hour sleep night. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. So it was loud enough for the other prisoners to hear what was going on. Probably because they were licking their wounds also, being a victim of circumstances, and yet they were sitting there listening because as they were praising God, God was being enthroned and his presence and his power. And I'm sure there were those who are listening and were sensing a peace and a presence that was coming forth as they began to make that inner dungeon, they actually made it a sanctuary. That's what God isn't always trying to get you out of your situations and circumstances. I'm not going to pray those prayers anymore. Oh, God, get them out of this tough situation. No, toughen up, buttercup. Make that prison a place of his presence. Change your mindset. Why does Jesus always have to be your little genie? Oh, Lord, I just get me out of this situation. No, stay in the situation until you change your attitude. Until you look to be dependent upon me. Are you here? This is what governs us. Rejoicing always. So he's following his own advice. Here, while he's got blood on his back, he's been whipped, he's been doing ministry for the Lord, he begins to sing praises. Oh, I just thank you. I'm bloody, but you're the healer. And I just right now, I make this a sanctuary. I look to you, oh God. And just begins to praise and begins to sing songs unto him and rejoice. And he makes the prison a palace of his presence by enthroning him right there. Do you do that when you go situations that seem like a dungeon to you? It seems to be your prison. Certain situations and circumstances seem to be your prison. But do you make it a palace of his presence? And I'm telling you, that's exactly what happens as we continue to read on. It doesn't stop here. This ought to convict some of us to stop living weak, soulish lives and have a backbone of strong spiritual convictions about what we do in difficult situations and circumstances. It says this. Watch this. This is powerful. The other prisoners were listening to them singing. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Stop right there. I don't know about you and what your response would be. I'd be like, hallelujah, this is an answer to prayer. Silas, let's get out of here. This is a miracle. This is what we've been complaining for. I mean, praying for. Right? Oh, I'm sorry that I was criticizing you. I mean, praying for you and your decision making. Notice this. At once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up 
And when he saw the prison, watch this, when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Watch this. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Look at this very carefully. This is very important for you to get this, this right here. I want you to think about how many remember in the scripture where they were praying for Peter and Peter was actually in prison and an angel had to come and wake him up in order to get him out. Yeah? I want you to think about that. First of all, he's in prison and he's sleeping so deep an angel has to sit there and wake up. That tells me he had peace no matter what the situation was. doesn't matter what situations are going through. Sometimes we're looking for peace in situations and we're not inviting the Prince of Peace into our situation. So I don't pray get out of your situations. I pray that you would receive and your spiritual equilibrium would be recalibrated to the kingdom and to the person of Jesus. He's the one that you look to. He is the Prince of Peace. A person is peace. That's called Jesus. But in this particular case, Notice that he never, they all run out the door. Even though this arguably, I would say, looks like a miracle. Doors fly open, chains fall off. Woohoo! How many of you here would be like, this is an answer to prayer, man? Yeah. Look how, listen, you'd be behind this pulpit next Sunday saying, I got a testimony. I'm a man of, of faith and power. I was in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I carry the anointing. Mm -hmm. You feel it, brothers and sisters. Woo! And this is what happened. We prayed when you were really complaining. <laughs> Praying without ceasing, even though I was criticizing Paul. Right? And this is what happened. Doors flew open. There was this earthquake. Chains fell off. That was an answer to the prayer. Come forward if you want that chain-breaking anointing. That's what we do to merchandise. This is the garbage that happens. Instead of saying, listen, this is what really happened. I'm governed by rejoicing and you can rejoice too. This doesn't come through the laying on of hands. It's by having your mindset recalibrated to the principles of the kingdom. You don't need to come forward to get this. It's a decision that you make because you died to yourself. And situations don't live on the inside of you. They stay outside of you. I go through situations. Situations don't go through me because Jesus goes through me and in me and out of me. And therefore, I change situations and circumstances around me through the power of God. So notice this. Everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, saw the prison doors. They thought they'd escaped. Don't harm yourself. We're all here. So I can imagine this. Watch it before we read on. I can imagine the Apostle Paul, as soon as the chains came off, prison doors opened. Maybe Silas was one who said, hey, this is an answer to our prayer. Don't you sense his presence? Don't you sense his powers as we were worshiping him? And I can imagine the Apostle Paul going, no, hold. I don't feel like we're supposed to leave just now. What do you mean? We're in a prison. We're in the dungeon. No, it's not a dungeon, Silas. This isn't a prison. This is a palace of his praise. Don't you sense his presence? And I actually don't feel we're supposed to leave this place. I'm not supposed to leave this situation. I'm not supposed to leave this circumstance right here because it doesn't matter where I'm at, what situation or circumstance. If his presence is there, I'm content with his presence because wow. his presence is preeminent in every situation and circumstances. And I'm not willing to leave what you call a prison because it's not a prison because his presence is here. Wow. This has become a church. This has become a sanctuary, this dungeon. And soon I can imagine someone running. I'm going to kill myself. They all left. And Paul, ah, this is the reason why Silas, he's going to take his life. No, don't do it. We're all here. He's probably shocked himself. How come you didn't run out the doors? Why didn't you leave? Because let me tell you about Christ. The reason why I'm flogged, the reason why I'm here under your custody. It was for this reason, Christ. And he begins to lay out the gospel for him. And the jailer himself was actually truly the one that was in a jail and in a prison. 
Peter, while he, uh, Paul and Silas, while they were in prison, were actually the free ones. The jailer was the one who was actually in prison. And he was actually set free that day from the shackles of eternal hell that day. And they, always, they end up, the whole family ends up getting saved. Because a spiritual person understood to make whatever situation that they were in, to make it a palace and a sanctuary of his presence. And to hold, because ministry will occur in the places that you call prisons. If you understand and recognize his presence is there, it becomes a place of ministry. It becomes a place of your victory. You see, we think victories are getting out of those situations. God gives you victory in those situations. Am I helping you? Some of you need to reformat your thinking. You're too much under things instead of going through things, over things, busting out of things. This is our inheritance that we have as sons and daughters of the Most High God. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus. You would... Uh, you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with what? Joy, because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Paul is a spiritual man, didn't sit there and allow circumstances and situations to be his idol. By which we go, God, get me out of this. But understood that there's a purpose to everything. What was more important, a whole household coming to the Lord or your temporary displeasure? He'll put you in situations you may not understand, but you don't need to because your understanding isn't your Lord. He is your Lord. Yes, 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 yes. We have the presence of God. We're just led by the Spirit of God. What He says, we will do. What He speaks, we are to say. However they fall. And listen, we're not going to understand in this life because we're not omniscient. We're not all-knowing. He is. But there'll be a day in which he'll make everything plain, he'll make everything real, and that's the trust that we have in him. So matter, no matter what your situations, no matter what your circumstances are, he becomes Lord over all those things, and we are seated with him over those things. And everyone says. Amen. You've been listening to the Freedom House Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like more information about our house, please visit our website, fhus.org. Thanks again for tuning in, and please consider sharing this podcast with your friends and family. See you next time.